0: A neoconservative think tank funded by many different Western governments and corporations published a ridiculous smear piece attacking me for my factual journalism, claiming that I was spreading so-called Russian disinformation because I pointed out the historical undeniable fact that NATO has supported Nazis and far-right extremists, Going back to its Operation Gladio that was backed by the CIA, and today in Ukraine, this is an undeniable historical fact. And the the group that did this is called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, which is based. It has offices in Washington D.C., Paris, London, and Berlin. I mean, it is a complete you know neoconservative Western and government cutout, uh, Western intelligence cutout that claims to be against extremism, but actually what it does is it uses the idea of counter extremism in order to try to attack anyone who criticizes Western imperialism and Western foreign policy interests, especially the wars that the US is waging around the world, and in particular, the proxy war that the US and the European Union are waging on Russia via Ukraine. So this video here I, i'm gonna i'm introducing a video clip where i was asked about this smear piece this ridiculous smear piece attacking me and i was asked about this in an interview with friends of the show over at the podcast unauthorized disclosure hosted by kevin Gostola and Ronnie kalik i have a link to that show in the description below you should definitely follow their show and support it it's a great show but without further ado this is the clip of the interview in which i was asked about this attack for my journalism
1: i'd like to i'd like to ask you first because uh uh, i saw that you were defending yourself from an attack from this think tank and uh it just seems like with what we have happening in the world um and i was closely following what happened to uh musician roger waters last week um and then like you know, it's very clear that there's this great enforcement from within media, prestige media, and also within uh, these like think tanks that are aligned with the national security state, that they are effectively trying to enforce uh, this message discipline. Um, and, and, and you know, we have so many examples, but I have your, I have your tweets here. Um, so you're at the top here saying that there's more McCarthyite attacks on independent journalists, by western authoritarian regimes this is coming from the institute for strategic dialogue i'll let you respond um this this dialogue was pulling out one of your tweets about nato and you were fo- you were you were pointing to the presence of nazis in the ukrainian army correct and they took offense to it so you came back and you defended yourself but this this seems to be happening regularly to prominent and influential journalists who cover Ukraine. Absolutely. First of all, we should
0: understand what this group is. It's called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. And if, if actually, if, if I can share my screen here, I just want to show who funds the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. It's just like a motley crew of some of the most evil organizations on Earth, if you let me here, I mean, it's almost like a joke how many organizations fund this think tank. It is a neoconservative think tank that's a cutout of Western governments. So, I mean, let's start with the governments here. It's funded by like every single Western government Australia, Denmark, Netherlands, the EU itself, Finland, Germany, Canada, the Global Coalition to Defeat ISIS for some reason funds this group. Like uh, London funds it, New Zealand, Norway, Canada again, Sweden, Britain, the UN Office of Counterterrorism, the US State Department, Google, Facebook, Microsoft. YouTube, the, oh, the, the Gfct is
1: there. That's that's Facebook.
0: Ah, yeah, is that another arm of Facebook? I mean, Facebook's no, no, that's on
1: there. Th- those are the one. Okay, so there's actually a story I want to bring up in a moment before we go too far. But Gfct, they run the dangerous persons list for Facebook. They're, they put people on the terrorism watch list. Yeah, for I mean, Facebook's social media. You
0: also have Omidyar, the Gates Foundation, the NDI, which is another arm of the U.S. government the U.S. Institute for Peace, I mean, open society. And then you see, you know, Zionist groups like the Anti-Defamation League. This group, this organization, the McCain Institute, like every single neoconservative organization in Western government funds this think tank. It's a cutout. And then all they do is they just publish reports attacking anyone criticizing NATO and Western foreign policy. And they publish this ridiculous blog post that is completely infantile. I mean, it's written by like this young intern from Germany. And in the article, they just say they name people like they name me. They name Danny Haifong. They name a few other people. They just like go through Twitter and find all these leftists who criticize NATO and U.S. foreign policy and then accuse us of spreading Russian propaganda. They don't try to link us in any way to the Kremlin, which obviously is absurd and ridiculous, but they don't even try that. They just say that we're spreading Russian propaganda because we say that the U.S. is arming Nazis in Ukraine. And then the article goes to great lengths to try to downplay Azov. The article admits that Azov was founded by far-right extremists and white supremacists, and it admits that they use neo-Nazi symbols. But then it says, well, they're no longer Nazis. And they say, well, in Ukraine, far-right parties, do not they haven't done well in elections. They don't win many seats in the parliament. but. I've pointed that out many times in my analysis, in my videos, in my articles, they don't, the far right doesn't have significant influence in the parliament in Ukraine, they have significant influence in the security services, in the National Guard, in the police, in the military, it's similar to the US, although the Republican Party is basically a fascist party, but how many police departments are full of far right extremists in the US, I mean it's similar, but then the the person, by the way, who's the, the intern who wrote this, works in the German branch of this think tank. So this is a right-wing think tank funded by the German government with a German intern writing a propaganda piece defending Ukrainian Nazis. Uh, nothing dangerous to see there. And then she goes further and says that Operation Gladio is a conspiracy theory. The historical fact that is undeniable that NATO in the first Cold War created this Operation Gladio of stay-behind networks in which not just NATO, but other specific Western governments, the U.S. government, the British government, the Italian government, they supported far-right extremists, former Nazi collaborators and former fascists as part of these stay-behind networks who were involved in terrorist attacks. And, and by the way, some of the top officials in NATO were former Nazi German military officers so this, this article at this neoconservative western government funded think tank says that all of that's a conspiracy theory and if you say those historical facts it's propaganda and the irony is in that same article this inter- german intern posts a, a screenshot of a tweet that i quoted in my article about nato sending weapons and training nazis in ukraine And that tweet was from Nexta. Nexta is a Polish, Western government-funded anti-Russian propaganda outlet that was deeply involved in the Belarus coup attempt. Nexta is like the 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 exact opposite of RT. You couldn't have anything more opposite from RT. And Nexta is the source that I quoted in my article. Nexta is the the source that reported bragging that NATO sent weapons, sent anti-tank weapons, missiles to azov and was training azov fighters and how to use them and posted photos of it so that is basically undeniable proof from the most anti-russian source possible admitting that nato is arming nazis in ukraine but you're not allowed to quote them because if you say that fact you're spreading russian propaganda
2: so we actually talked about this a little bit when we had you on the freedom side ben but i think that speaks to something that i had asked you about which i'd like you to be able to speak to again on this show which is the issue of the the idea of disinformation being the new scare word, right? It's not really new. It's been being used, I think, since like Trump got elected in 2016. But people react to it like it's the new terrorism, right? It used to be that we were all constantly being attacked. I think we can all relate to this. Being attacked for being terrorist sympathizers, uh, being like stooges for terrorism, right? Um, Terrorists, whatever. And now it's all we're all disinformation agents. We're all stooges for Russian or Chinese or Nicaraguan or Venezuelan, you know, or Iranian disinformation. And it does, even though, like I had mentioned before, like with terrorism, it made more sense that you could get a reaction out of people because you had something to point to. You could just point to 9-11 and it would bring up these fears or any other like attack that took place by Al Qaeda anywhere. And it would it would put people in the mode of fear. Where then, like their critical thinking goes out the wind- window, and they'll believe anything you say, associating someone with terrorism. With disinformation, though, it's uh, it's this like abstract concept that is obviously so manipulated and really doesn't mean anything other than inconvenient, like facts that America doesn't like. But it does seem to have successfully worked in eliciting a similar kind of like um, a similar kind of dampening of people's critical thinking. All you have to say is disinformation this is Ben is Ben is pushing disinformation and a lot of people will just stop listening to what you're saying so I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about your views on the use of the term disinformation whether or not you think it's successful and why
0: well I think it's successful but for different reasons I don't think it's necessarily successful in convincing a broader public not to listen to people like us fortunately I mean uh, all of us, you know, we're journalists and we have a pretty big platform and that platform continues to grow despite algorithmic suppression, despite all of that. So I think for a lot of the public, especially people who are skeptical of power and are looking for this kind of information, that, that's, that's not going to influence them at all. But, what, but it is successful in another way because what this what this is 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 a cottage industry it's successful in that it enriches certain people because they've created this entire industry built around combating disinformation but more than that it's also successful because it basically is this new tactic of silencing people who are dissidents who criticize you know mainstream corporate media narratives and it's a justification for for removing them from from social media and censoring them and blocking their PayPal accounts. Right. So it's a tool that's used by the ruling class, if you will, by these Western governments to justify political actions that they want to carry out, but they can't find a way to carry out those political actions and justify them without seeming anti-democratic. Right. So the point is that all these Western governments talk about freedom of speech and civil liberties, but they want to censor us. They really want to censor us. They want to censor all independent and critical media. And they need to find some kind of rationale and ex- kind of excuse to do that and disinformation is what they found it's been a pretty convenient example and especially with the election of donald trump the ruling class in the u.s was refusing in any way and has refused to engage in, in introspection and in self-criticism the ruling class in the u.s refuses to give even crumbs to working people People in the U.S. continue to get poorer. Living standards are declining, especially now with inflation out of control. We see more and more homeless people. We see uh, more and more precarious labor. So even though technically unemployment rates are not super high, a lot of that employment is precarious work. People like you know delivering food for apps or like driving Uber, like these horrible jobs. A lot of like the job so-called recovery of jobs after the 2008 crisis were in those kinds of precarious jobs. And, you know, increasingly people in the US and also other parts of Western Europe can see their lives getting worse. And the ruling class refuses in any way to provide, you know, better social programs, no health care in the US. Uh, Education is becoming more and more unaffordable, more more expensive with over two trillion dollars of student loans. So they need to find a way to direct popular energy against some kind of scapegoat the far right has immigrants right the republicans blame immigrants and the democrats blame disinformation and by extension russia and china right they blame the boogeyman of russia and china and they say that the reason hillary clinton lost is not because she was a warmonger and a neoliberal who ran a horrible center-right campaign who basically on most political issues was pretty similar to trump no it's not because of that it's because of russian disinformation it's because the Kremlin posted some Buff Bernie memes, right? And people loved Bernie, not because he was proposing popular social democratic policies like healthcare and education. No, it was because people were confused by Russian disinformation. So if we just blame it on disinformation, we don't have to acknowledge any of the very real economic and social problems that are domestic, that are created inside the US. Instead, externalize everything. It's an extension of that same age old tactic of just scapegoating your enemies and especially now with the new Cold War, disinformation is always associated, You know, as I was saying in the interview I did with you and Eugene, they don't just say disinformation, they say Russian disinformation, Chinese disinformation. Yeah. It's joined at the hip with the idea of foreign disinformation. They never talk about domestic disinformation, like WMDs, like Russiagate, like bo- the bounty story. They don't talk about, or Havana syndrome, They never talk about domestic disinformation. It's always Russian and Chinese disinformation, which is a way of convincing, trying to delude people in the US into thinking, well, the the biggest problems facing our society are not from the billionaires destroying society from within, it's from the foreign powers from outside of our borders that we, we also, the ruling class wants to destroy.